Years ago, there was a group of men that got in a ship, or a, a large boat, or a small ship by today's standards, and uh, they were crossing the uh, sea, not the ocean, but they were crossing a large sea, which was just about like crossing the ocean. And about somewhere around three, the, a storm arose, a really bad storm. And around three o'clock in the morning, three, four, five, six o'clock in the morning, they looked out, they were in this storm and all these waves, the wind was blowing, it was just terrible. And they look out and they see somebody walking on water. And at first they were afraid because they thought it was a ghost, because who's ever seen somebody walk on water? But then they recognized him and it was their friend Jesus that they had been with just the evening before. He had sent them across on the ship while he stayed and Jesus sent the multitudes away and then he went up on a mountain to pray. So they look out there and there's Jesus. But they see him, but they don't believe it. And so Peter's up in the, all of them are up in the boat. And Peter says, Lord, if that's you, bid me come to you. And Jesus looked at him and said, come. And so Peter, now I don't know, Peter may have just jumped out on the water, but I suspect he, he, he did something like this. And, and he did this and, he was walking on water, and other than Jesus, he's the only one we've ever read about that walked on water. And there's Jesus, and he's going towards him. But the Bible says he looked around, and he saw the waves that were boisterous, that means stormy and wild, and he, began, he got, became afraid, and he started to sink. Um, there he is. I mean, I called it a sea, but it's like the ocean. I mean, you're out so far in the water, you can't see land. And there he is sinking. And the boat's back there, and the storm is horrible. And he looks to Jesus, and he says, Lord, save me. And the Bible says that immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and said, Oh, ye of little faith. Because Peter had been with Jesus for quite some time. Now he had seen him feed the, the 5,000 and heal people, heal lots and lots of people. He saw Jesus raise a, someone from the dead. So Peter knew the power of Jesus, and there he was walking on water, and, but then he took his eyes off Jesus and started looking around, he got afraid and started sinking. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. That's why of all the, the people we read about in the Bible, the kings and, the, and Joshua, the, the heroes, and uh, you know Paul, one of the people that you and I love the most and can relate to is Peter. Because Peter's just like us. He's got a good heart, but he does dead, dumb things. And he did a lot worse than this, too. The story, we could go on, but the, I mean, after this event, there were other events. Peter's life got even worse than this. He made bigger mistakes. But we can relate to Peter because we get in the middle of something and we get afraid and then we start singing. And I want to talk about four or five areas of our life this morning that we get involved in and, uh, and, and we get afraid and we start sinking. And uh, maybe some of these things won't apply to you. Maybe all of them will. But uh, even if they don't now, things change. Maybe your marriage is good now. Maybe everything's good with the kids, finances, health, but things change. Life's like a pendulum. If things are good now, it's going to get bad. If things are bad now, it's going to get good. Back... On our dresser, where we live, is a, a picture frame of a young couple 
and she's in a white wedding gown, and he's in a white tuxedo. And I used to know these people. 41 years ago, I knew these people. But I look at them now, and I say, I recognize them, but, man, that was so long ago, I can barely remember them. And that was me and Angie. Uh, we had, I guess, what you call a whirlwind romance. My parents had never even met Angie. I proposed to her, I think, in August. We got married in December. And uh, I think, if I remember correctly, the first time they met, we, we were living down in the Houston area. My, I'm from Lubbock. And so we got married in McKinney, which was halfway for both families. And if I remember right, that was the first time my parents met Angie. And so we got married. And so I looked, and I surprised her because I rented a white tuxedo which I think back then cost $60. I mean, wow, that's a lot of money. And she didn't know, but I rented this white tuxedo. I don't know if she'd ever seen me in a suit before. So we got married. And I look at that couple with smiles on their faces, and I remember that we thought we were going to have the perfect marriage. There were a lot of problems in uh, Angie's family, and, and my dad wasn't a Christian, and to be honest, he wasn't a good man. But we weren't going to make the same mistakes. You know, in the wedding vows it says, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, and sickness and health. But we didn't really mean it. What we meant was for better, for riches, and for health. Because we weren't going to have the bad stuff. We were going to have a perfect marriage. But you know how things went. And I can tell you lots of stories. There's lots of times where I didn't want to go home. There's lots of times where Angie probably didn't want me to come home. You know, when we got married, I thought, I thought, I'm not going to treat her like my dad treated my mom. And, uh, and, and we, we both saw how the bad things in our family, just like you do, and we weren't going to do those. We were going to have a good marriage. And we did. I mean, I, we could talk for a long time about all the good things in our marriage. could also talk a long time about all the bad things, just like you could. I think I've told some of you this story. I don't know if I've ever told it publicly. Uh, one time when our kids were, I guess, teenagers, most, if not all of them, could drive. And it was a Sunday morning. And Angie and I got in the fight. And we got really mad at each other. And I don't remember if the kids perceived this or if they were driving their own cars to church. I just remember... But the kids left early, went ahead and went to church, and so it was just me and Angie. And uh, we were so mad at each other. And uh, we were driving to church here this Sunday morning, and we are going to worship God and ask him to forgive us of our sins. And we were so mad at each other and having this fight. And I thought, I can't believe that I'm driving to church in this condition. And we got to church, and, I, and everyone else was in. Church had started, and the doors were closed. And I put my hand on the door, and I turned to Angie and I said, and one more thing. <laughs> and we opened that door. And, <laughs> and by the time church was over, um, I guess everything was okay. But, you know, I look at that picture on the wall, I mean, on our dresser, and we never thought we would do something like that. And we did. And we were just like Peter. When Peter got out of the boat, he didn't think he was going to drown. But then all of a sudden he's sinking and he sees he's going to drown. And you and I get in the middle of marriage, and things aren't going right, and it, we just think all sorts of horrible things. And we take our eyes off Jesus. Now, always in our marriage, Jesus was at least in the back of our mind. We knew what we should be doing. 
but he, he wasn't always on the front of our minds. Angie's gotten to where now when someone talks to her and uh, things aren't going right, there's some kind of problem or difficulty, Angie will say, let's pray about it. And we didn't always do that. We should have. We should not have taken, done like Peter and taken our eyes off Jesus. We get out, get in the middle of marriage, and, you know, the funny thing about life is you're never prepared to be married. You're not prepared to raise kids until you've already done it. And I think that's why grandparents are so nice to the grandchildren. It's because they look back at how they treated their kids and the things they didn't do and the, the bad things they did, and, and they don't want to do that anymore. They learn. Once you've done everything, then you're prepared to do it. Life is backwards. It, it gives you the test, and then it tells you the answers. And then it teaches you the lesson. And you may be in a real good time in your marriage right now, or you may be a bad time. And uh, used to, I, used, I thought, well, when the baby gets here, things will get better. When I, I change jobs, when the, the baby can walk, when, when they start school, when this happens, things will get better. But that life is just like this. You have good times and you have bad times. And like I said, if it's good now, it'll be bad later. If it's bad now, it'll be good later. So don't think that, you know, I'm on top of the world that things never, things will still go wrong. You get older and there's just always something new. And then another area of life is when we raise kids. Some of you got very young kids and just like Angie and me, we said, we're going to be good parents. And there for a long time, we thought we were really good parents. You remember in Genesis chapter 6 where the story of Noah where it says that God looked out over the world and he saw that all that men thought of was evil. Their heart was continually on evil. And it says God repented, it repented God that he had made man. And whenever you're studying the Bible with someone, you say, how can God create man and then be sorry he created man? If you've ever had teenagers, you know how you can feel sorry about having kids. And just like marriage, you get in the middle of it and, and you've got a rebellious teenager. Or, you know, it's, it's easy when they're little because you say, clean up your room, uh, you know, sit down, uh, you know, help me wash, whatever, help me wash the dishes. And they do it because they have to. Because if they don't, you're going to swat them or put them time out, whatever you do. But then, you know, we had six kids and it's hard it's hard enough for two adults to live in the same house with different ideas and different opinions. When you get eight adults in a house that can think for themselves, there can be a lot of tension. Now, God is, Jesus has given us lots of guidelines for, for being married and for raising kids if we'll just listen to them. But like Peter, we, we get out there and we, we take our eyes off Jesus and get distracted. Jesus tells a story about the parable of the sower or the farmer. He says a sower went out to sow seed. And Jesus explained that some of it fell on the stony ground. Some, and the reason he was telling this story, because back then almost everybody was a farmer. And if they weren't a farmer, they knew someone who was. I'll trade you one of my sheep for some of your wheat. So Jesus was talking to them in terms they could understand. Some of the seed fell on good ground, some in thorns, some on stony ground. The birds ate some of it and it never did grow at all. And then the, the disciples said, explain this parable to us. And Jesus says, those that fell on the thorny ground, or the seed that fell among the thorns, is those who hear the word, and they go out, and they want to be a Christian. Maybe they become a Christian, but then they're choked with the cares 
and the riches and the pleasures of this life. And uh, we get married and we think we're having a perfect family and then life happens. The wise men said that life is what happens to you while you're making other plans. And uh, it gets tough. And there's times you want to pull your hair out. I remember one time we've got a son that he just took to running away when he was about 15 or 16. The first time he did that, he, uh, he was gone all night. And uh, the fire department there in Gunner was out looking for him. The police were looking for him. I mean, we didn't think he'd been kidnapped, you know. We knew he'd run away. And then one of the firemen's sons said that they thought that they had seen him walking between Gunner and Tauga. So the Gunner Fire Department called Tauga. So the Tauga Fire Department was out looking for him. Turns out he hitchhiked or walked or something, and he got all the way down here to 377, right? Well, he got into Denton County somewhere. And... Uh, we went to church, I think that, that happened Saturday afternoon, and we went to church Sunday morning, and uh, of course Angie was crying, I mean, we didn't, this had never happened to us before, and uh, after church, Angie was crying, and some of the other women uh, hugged her, and they told her, said, you'll be the one, because they were a lot younger, or a lot of them were younger than Angie, said, you'll be the one we come to when we're having problems. Sure enough, that's the way it is. But, you know, there's people here that could tell worse stories than that about things that have happened in your family. You had all these hopes for your, your sons and daughters, and like I said, some of you could tell lots worse stories about what you've experienced. And, and I don't want to dig up bad memories, but, but like Peter, we get in the middle of life, and life happens to us, and we don't know where to turn. And then I got an email the other day from classmates.com. I never did sign up for it. I looked at it once, so now they send me emails 30 years later. And I said, you know, y'all all know that I started a pool business years ago and was real successful, and I sold it to my son-in-law, John, now. And uh, I told Angie, I said, well, everyone goes back to the reunion, and they want to be successful. I said, I guess I can count myself successful because I started a successful pool business and sold it. But that's another area of life. When we're a teenager, we graduate college, we get married, we've got all these big plans about what we're going to do, who we're going to be, and the things we're going to accomplish. And for a lot of us, those things either don't happen or a lot of the things don't happen. We get you talk, hear a man having a midlife crisis. He gets to a point in his life and he thought he would be in a different situation. He, he would have more money. He, his marriage would be better. He, he would have a better relationship with his teenagers. And uh, you're just not where you want to be. A lot of us wake up in that situation. Maybe all of us at some point in our life. We're just not where we thought we would be. Just like Peter. He didn't think when he got out of that boat he was going to drown. But then right there for a minute he was close to doing it. Some of us, another area of life, some of us, when, when hardship comes, we, uh, we don't listen to our parents, we don't listen to TV commercials, we don't listen to our teachers, and in order to ease the pain, we get involved in addictive behaviors, alcohol, drugs, sex, pornography, and uh, 
rather than turning to Jesus, we turn to these things to comfort us or, or to distract us or something. And, and you look back and you think, you look back when you were 12, 13, and you think, well, I never, never thought I'd be here. I've told you the story about Dwight L. Moody. He was a uh, big-time evangelist. You know, everyone knows who Billy Graham was. Back in the early 1900s, there was another preacher before Billy Graham named Dwight L. Moody. Of course, any time you're in the public eye, you're the target for slings and arrows. You know, we see the movie stars, and they're always in the news, and always something bad about them. Someone asked Dwight Moody in an interview one time, he says, who in life has given you the most trouble? And he said, the person that has given me the most trouble in life is Dwight L. Moody. <laughs> you know, I talked about me and Angie being in that fight. I thought, we never, I never thought I'd be there. Some of you never thought you'd be, in, you know, addicted to alcohol, get involved with drugs. And, and yet here you are. But through marriage, through kids, through addictions, that same hand that reached out and caught Peter and pulled him up is reaching out to you. Jesus, when he told the parable of the, the sheep and the shepherd, he said, talking, he says, the thief doesn't come except to kill and steal and destroy. He said, I'm come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus wants us to have a good life. That same hand that reached out for Peter is reaching out to you. Jesus says, Come to me, all ye who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come. Just like he told Peter, come. Come to me, all of you that are having problems. I'll take care of you. That same hand is still reaching out for us. So Matthew tells three things about Peter. One, it says that he was afraid. And I've talked about all these different areas of life where we get afraid. Some men, the Bible says that the man is the head of the house, and some men, I guess they're kind of arrogant, they think, I'm the head of this house. You're going to do what I tell you. Get in an argument and say, I'm the head of this house. And some men are like that, and I hope that you're not. I hope that you and your wife work together. But looking back for me, you know, women sometimes say, well, if I could preach, I would do this, and I would say that. And if I was the head of this house, we'd do things differently. But looking back, being the head of the house is not all it's cracked up to be. There were a lot of times, you know, like I've talked about, where I wish somebody else was in charge. <laughs> I wish everyone wasn't looking at me. I wish God wasn't looking at me. I wish it wasn't my decision. You know, like when you were a kid. Danielle, one time, when one of her friends called and I uh, said, hey, Danielle, do you want, well, it was one of Danielle's acquaintances, called and said, hey, Danielle, you want to come over? Danielle put her hand on the phone and said, Mom, I'm going to ask you a question. You tell me no. And so Angie said, no. <laughs> she says, my mom says, no, I can't come. <laughs> so Angie bailed Danielle out. And there's been a lot of times as a husband and a father, I wish there was someone that could bail me out. I didn't want to be the head of the house. And so we get afraid. We go, some, maybe you're not like this. I'm like this. Sometimes I say, I don't have all the answers. I don't know what to do. I wish someone would make a decision. Peter was afraid. And there's times in our lives when, when we get afraid. Or maybe we do make a decision. And we go, 
man, I hope this turns out all right. But sometimes it doesn't. But the Bible says that Peter was afraid, and he began to sink. Maybe you're having problems with your teenagers or younger kids. Maybe your marriage is on the rocks. Maybe your health is going downhill. You just got a cancer diagnosis, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's. And you just feel yourself begin to sink. And Peter beginning to sink. But then Peter said, Lord, save me. There's a church song we sing that says, I need thee every hour. And I wrote a note in there that said, in our, in our deepest despair, it should be Jesus that we want. Peter said, Lord, save me. We don't need to forget that. I think I've told you the story when I was a Cub Scout. And we used to sell these tickets for 50 cents each to the Scoutorama that they had one Sunday every year. And all the Scouts would demonstrate their skills. And my mom was a den mother, so there was like six, seven, eight Scouts that came once a week to our house. And my mom said, the first kid that asked me to buy a ticket, I'll buy a ticket. Well, I think my brother wasn't in the Scouts yet, so it was just me. Well, you know who that's going to be. That's going to be me. She can buy the ticket from, right? Wrong. She bought a ticket from one of the other kids. I said, I thought you were going to buy a ticket from me. She said, I said I'd buy a ticket from the first kid that asked me, and I didn't ask. Dumb me. <laughs> You're dumb too. <laughs> because Jesus said the easiest sermon there ever was, the most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, knock, and it'll be open to you. Seek, and you'll find the answer. Ask, and it'll be given to you. So there we are in our marriage, uh, kids, job, health, whatever, and we don't ask, just like I didn't ask my mom. We don't ask our Father in heaven. Peter said, Lord, save me. And so when your marriage is failing, you need to say, Lord, save me, like Peter did. The Bible says, immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Immediately, Jesus was there watching the whole time, just like he's watching over your life. He sees your fights and your marriage. He sees the problems you're having. He sees the problems with the teenagers. He sees your fears and your doubts. But he also said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Peter, Jesus was there the whole time. Immediately, he reached out his hand. All we've got to do is like Peter did, is we've got to trust, and then we've got to take that step out, and we've got to obey him. Now, there's a lot of people that see Jesus and believe he's walking in the water, and they believe he's the Christ, but they don't trust him. I wouldn't have got, maybe, I doubt I would have got out on the water. So we see Jesus. We begin, we see Jesus, and we say, I want to be a Christian. So we become a Christian, we begin the Christian life, but then we don't trust him. We think that we've got a better way. I told you one time the story about a guy went and counseled, was having trouble with a teenager, and I, I said, look, the Bible says this and this and this. We talked for a long time. Two weeks later, I said, uh, so what did you think about our conversation? He says, well, 
I talk to the guys at work. Well, when I need wisdom, that's where I go, the guys at work. No. Here was a Christian giving him Christian advice, and he chose not to follow it. We get in our heads that we think that we're smarter than Jesus, or we'll do things our way, or maybe I just don't want to do what he said. But it doesn't work out. We've got to trust him, and then we've got to obey him. We've got to do what he says. Remember, I don't know if I read it or told you, but remember what Jesus said after he reached out and caught Jesus, uh, Peter? He said, oh, you of little faith. After all that Peter had seen, his faith was still small. And that's the battle that each one of you and I face. As much as we've seen, as much as we know, our faith is often still small and we don't trust him. We don't ask, we don't seek, we don't knock, we don't trust. All we've got to do is trust and obey. So what would you have thought if, if Peter, you know, stepped down on the water and he got out here and he started sinking and Jesus, and, 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 uh, Jesus reached out his hand and, and Peter just didn't take his hand and started sinking and drowned. You know, what, what a dummy. How smart are we when we're in the midst of problems and the storms of life and we don't take his hand? We don't reach out. We don't say, Lord, save me. So that's the decision that every one of us faces. When hard times come, in our marriage, with kids, just life in general, are we going to call out for him? And then take his hand and let him save us? Or are we going to try to do things our way? All we've got to do is trust him and obey him. So my desire this morning is if you're in the middle of problems right now or in the future when hard times come, that you will remember Peter. Because he went through hard times, but then he cried out, Lord, save me. And I'm sure that when Jesus reached out his hand, Peter was reaching out his hands too. So reach out to Jesus and trust him and obey him. And just like Peter, you'll make it through the storms of life. Paul said just before he died, uh, I have fought a good fight. I finished the course. Henceforth, there's a crown of righteousness for me. A crown of righteousness laid up for me. And that's what Jesus wants for you too. Think about these things while we stand and sing this song.